0: Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Tunaidin, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you.
1: We at UCLA Extension hope our listeners took a pleasant break and enjoyed time with family and friends. Since our last podcast, more than 90% of the S&P 500 and the Russell 2000 companies have reported their third-quarter earnings. And that gives us a really good reading of key trends across the United States, both from consumer and industry viewpoints. We've also analyzed a number of macroeconomic indicators, as well as some of the global updates impacting key Asian and European countries during our break. But don't worry, the game plan here today is to integrate all of this and give you the bottom line versus dragging you through all the data. So today we'll focus on the US financial markets and some new international issues that are bound to impact interest rates, unemployment, and our economy. The top line theme where most data leads is that the largest global investor groups, the sovereign wealth funds, mutual funds, private equity groups, and so forth, as a group are pretty much counting on the Federal Reserve to begin lowering short-term interest rates via two to three Fed funds reductions starting in mid-2024. The Fed itself is allowing this assumption to promulgate, in my opinion, as they have the overpowering desire to declare victory over inflation. Of course, the official government measures and press releases have a built in bias to underreport the rate of change in the Consumer Price Index. So the Federal Reserve is apparently considering that a reported reduction of close to 3% in the Consumer Price Index may give them a breather in future rate hikes. I don't necessarily agree with any of this, and we've argued pretty much throughout our series of podcasts that a reported increase in the consumer price index is typically only about half of the real increase in inflation due to consistent data massaging by the government agencies doing the reporting. Overall, I do agree that the inflation rate we've witnessed during COVID has declined from double-digit to, best case, mid-single-digit or so. That being said, all the high inflation during the COVID years is baked into pricing and is not reversing. In brief, or in other words, we are already adjusting to double-digit price increases for one or two or more years during COVID, and these price increases remain, while new price increases may be going up by only 5 or 6 or 7% a year from here. The fallout from the Fed's historically rapid increase in interest rates is gaining traction throughout the economy, including putting the commercial real estate market on the chopping block, basically, increasing newly originated mortgages by 50% or more for those buying new homes or refinancing high adjustable rate mortgages, and also increasing the interest paid by the federal government on its own debt from the $400 billion area to over a trillion dollars per year. I'm gonna review some of the impacts of our rapidly trending recessionary economy, starting with the stock market. Based on the aforementioned third quarter financial reports, of over 2,300 publicly held companies. The sales growth of the Standard & Poor's 500 companies was only 1.7% during the third quarter, which is substantially smaller than any inflation report or any inflation rate reported by any government agency. Additionally, the earnings growth of all the Standard & Poor's 500 companies for the third quarter was only about 2.5%. Smaller companies fared much worse during the third quarter. The Russell 2000 companies actually had sales decline for the third quarter in total, down 3.4%, and their earnings almost dropped into negative territory in total. More specifically, the Russell 2000 companies in total experienced an 88% drop in profits. Here are some of the industries as examples from the Russell 2000. Real estate company earnings were down 19%, and as we know, they're heading down in real time. So this is so far. Industrial companies in the third quarter had earnings down 23%. Energy company earnings were down also about 23%. Healthcare companies, in total, earnings were down 327%. So the health companies went to a loss during the third quarter. And communication services companies fared even worse. Their earnings were down 3,500%. Meanwhile, information technology was an exception, and that sector increased earnings by a positive 92%. Please recall that our prior podcasts had consistently argued that the key stock market index the Standard & Poor's 500 benefited from only six or seven stocks, accounting for almost 30% of the entire index value. The up moves of Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Netflix, Meta, and Microsoft have been responsible for the multi-year stock market rally if you look at almost all of the indices. Consider that most of the 2,500 stocks, that's the S&P 500 plus the Russell 2000, make up most of the U.S. economy. And think about these third quarter reports that I just reported, how they impact and reflect economic trends that we're going to comment on shortly. Add to the consideration the fact that the ongoing growth of the fang stocks plus Microsoft are trading at values higher than the top stocks traded just before the 2000-2001 dot com bust. Let's look at Apple as an example before we move on. Apple has now had three straight quarters of negative sales growth. This is a company that has grown in value in the financial markets from a $2 trillion market cap or market value in 2019 to almost $8 trillion today, a quadruple in four years, with sales growth now becoming a serious issue. What do you think? If you look at the other fabulous tech-related performers, consider their vulnerability in a growing recessionary economy, and then consider the impact that their stock price declines would have on the same indices when their stock prices were heading strongly upwards. Why do I argue that the consumer who makes up 70% of the total economy is taking the economy into a strong recession? There are a few data points some of which may not appear in the daily or weekly so-called news number one let's look at the seriousness of the growing number of families not current on their rent or mortgage payments where eviction in the next two to three months is either very likely or somewhat likely the source for this information is the u s census bureau in their Household Pulse Survey. Here are some of the largest states facing the most pain. Actually, in over half of the states, including California and Florida, over 30% of adults living in households are not current on their rent or mortgage. It gets worse. In eight of these states, including Florida, over 40% are not current on their rent or mortgage payments. In the remaining half of the country, including New York, between 11 and 31 percent are not current on their rent or mortgage payments. Those numbers to me are pretty staggering. Let's move on to transportation as an indicator of overall economic health. Unemployment in the trucking industry is dropping at a faster rate than occurred in either the dot-com bust or the financial meltdown or the great financial crisis aftermaths. Restated, employment in this key industry is either dropping substantially faster month-to-month than occurred in either 2000-2001 or in 2007-2008-2009. Number three, let's take a quick look at overall unemployment, actually using the government's official indices. In seven of the last seven, so 100% of recessions, from the 1970s through the pandemic, an indicator gave us a heads-up just before each major recession. And what is that heads-up indicator? Well, when the unemployment rate crosses above its 24-month moving average, every time a recession followed. Why do I mention this key forward indicator? Well, because it just happened again. This indicator is telling us a severe recession is dead ahead. Do you accept this? Please remember your answer as you don't have but a few months to wait to see. Number four, the Fed and everyone else says we're headed for a soft landing. What do I make of that? Well, here's some more data to consider. There's another data set that calculates the number of times, quote, soft landing is mentioned in the company meeting transcripts, company filings, and company presentations. This data began to be collected in 1995. So, okay, what does it show? The all-time high in this data series, which is, would be interpreted to be the all-time strongest warning of a recession, was just before the 2000 dot-com bust. The second highest heads-up was just before the 2007, 2008, 2009 financial meltdown. So what about now? We just surpassed the heads-up on the great financial crisis and now are about to challenge the historically high mentions just before the dot-com bust. My thought is that there are so many people today believing in a soft landing that once again we will face a really hard landing, a severe recession. To repeat, we don't have long to wait. But for me, I'm not waiting. I'm preparing. What are my preparations? I've covered pretty much all of them in past podcasts, starting with lightening up on my stock and bond investments, in avoiding new real estate commitments with the result of going strongly into cash or treasury bills or CDs, but equivalent of cash. There's much more detail and in prior podcasts, and every podcast is only about 20 minutes in length. They're all still available if you wanna give them a listen or a re-listen. Number five, I'll just say, okay, one more piece of information. The conference board, publishes their set of leading economic indicators. To be brief, this series gave a resounding heads-up for the 1973-74 stagflationary recession, as well as the global financial crisis of 07, 08, and 09. The levels of this index are now providing a similar magnitude of warning now. And since 1959, this index has only reached these strong signal levels these three times. That is, back in the 73-74 stagflationary recession, the global financial crisis of 07-08-09, and now. Again, we'll know much more in a few months, but we don't have long to wait. As for me, I'm thinking this is another valid warning, so I'm paying attention. Between now and the first of the year, I'm thinking of one more really large black swan event that's in the making. Don't know if it's going to occur between now and the first of the year, but it may. I've discussed this before, so I'll be brief, but don't be blindsided by the possibility of another spike up in interest rates from here. In this event, many asset prices, stocks, bonds, real estate could drop and drop fairly quickly. And here's the big issue. The U.S. Treasury has to refinance between 25 and 30% of its entire federal debt outstanding over the next 12 or so months. This is the first time this has happened. This totals over $8 trillion. Add to this amount another $2 trillion to cover the large annual deficit. Then you get almost one-third of the entire U.S. federal debt by year-end next year, will have had to be financed or refinanced in the next 12 or so months. This will hit the financial markets at a time when the historically largest purchasers are not only not buying this debt, but are selling it. China, as well as the OPEC countries and even the Federal Reserve, have not and are not adding to their U.S. debt investments. All of this at a time when the BRIC countries, moving away from the dollar in global trade. A big accident could happen that could have a substantial negative effect in the financial markets. This is a risk for me that's too big to be ignored and it could raise its ugly head at any time from now on. As an addendum of market news, the consumer appears to be going deeper and deeper into credit card debt now that COVID savings have been pretty much spent. The retailers may have a bit better of a holiday as credit card balances and bad debt write-offs escalate, but neither of these trends are sustainable much longer. Be careful, stay conservative, build cash balances, and I look forward to giving you a year-end update in two weeks.
0: Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin, this podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.